0: Good morning, good morning. 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 Well, it was one of those odd Sundays where um, I I walked in with nothing in my hands and had a conversation. Someone said, hey, you don't have any props today. Because I always have like something. I have nothing today. So you're going to be my prop. If you want to be. Because I'm about no pressure. But I'm about positive peer pressure, though. I'm all about that. So um, if you want to, I mean, I just look around the room and I see all these Christmas sweaters. I don't even own a Christmas sweater. I was invited to a Christmas sweater party, um, and I said, I'm not going to go buy one just to go to a party. I'll go and eat and have cookies. So I went. I didn't have a sweater on, but I was pleasantly surprised because other people didn't have them either. So. But some of you are wearing Christmas sweaters today. So if you want to show your sweater off, don't have to. But if you'd like to stand right now, and just so people can kind of look around the room and see your sweater. Go ahead and just stand. Oh, there you go. Yes. Oh. Nice. Does it say, Take Me Gnome for Christmas? Yes, I remember that song. And we have sharks in the house. Um, We had lights. And we even had Chris Farley on a sweater. Holy shnikes, I think was his phrase. So we have Seahawks Christmas hats. Um, Very cool. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, good morning. Good morning. I hope Christmas can be this laughter that we've experienced a little bit, that there's a little joy that happens um, in us. And like Ashley shared and a few others have shared this morning already, Christmas can can tweak us out a little bit because we get so caught up in the rush, we get so caught up in the measuring of what we have and what we don't have, we get so caught up in, I want this, I want that, I need to go there, I need to be here, I need to be there, and we forget to simply just slow down and breathe and say, wow, why, why is Christmas even here? Why do we even have Christmas? What was the need for Christmas, and what does it really mean? And when we really break it down to those things, we realize that, wow, Jesus, you really did come to bring joy, to bring delight, to bring delight to us. You guys realize that in the Garden of Eden, in the very first place that God, you know, he created, and he created this special, amazing place to place mankind, you know, you realize the word Eden is the word for delight, God wants to restore delight to us on a daily basis. Because we know the story, right, that Adam and Eve, even though they were in paradise, it still wasn't good enough. And I don't know about you, sometimes when I read the Bible, I get mad at the characters in the Bible. Anybody else? See, I figured I was the only one. Okay, that's all right. I can stand by myself on this one. But I get upset, like, why did you do that? But here's the deal. If I was standing in that same spot... I would have done it faster, I would have fallen harder. So I can't blame somebody because I would have done the same exact thing. Because we look at things sometimes like that, and I'm like, well, why didn't why wasn't paradise? Why wasn't the fact that God? That's one of my favorite verses is in chapter three of Genesis when God would come down in the cool of the day and walk with his people. Walk with them and have conversation and, and spend time with them and and then yet in that same verse, it's the most tragic verse of all because it's when he came down and says, hey, where are you? Because they're hiding because they'd messed up. And from that moment, God wanted to restore delight because delight had been stripped away from them when they fell. When they chose to say, I want someone or something more than my creator God, things broke. And it just broke. And we've been suffering Ever since. That's why there's sometimes there's just a sense of brokenness in us. I'm like, why can't I get over this brokenness? Well, we're born with it. We're born with it. We live in it. We're surrounded by it. We're immersed in it. It's like a fish in water. Fish doesn't know they're wet. If a fish could talk and you said, hey, do you know you're wet? And like, what does that mean? Because it's just part of their world. So we're part of a broken world. And God said, I'm gonna come down and I'm gonna repair that. I'm gonna bring back delight. I'm gonna bring back Eden to my people for those who say, I'm gonna follow you and put my trust in you, Jesus. And so Christmas can bring all those things. And some of us, even in this room, can feel a little tweaked out from Chris- Christmas. And what I, what I really pray for you is that you can look at Christmas and say, I wanna see Christmas different this year. I mean, we're three days away. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Some of you are like, "Whoa, oh, I got to go shopping. 7-Eleven is open 24 hours a day. <laughs> the best present you can get somebody is a Slurpee. Come on. A Coca-Cola Slurpee. I'm serious. That is a, If you showed up at my house on Christmas and brought me a Slurpee, you'd be my friend for life. 17018, <laughs> 138th Place Southeast. <laughs> Renton, Washington. I'm two miles from here, okay? I'll be there between 10 and 2. After that, I'm gone, okay? Was this God's plan all along? So, like when I look at a broken world and when I, and I think of why Jesus came, and, was this God's plan all along? And so when I read the Bible, I don't know if it's just me again, But I wonder, do you ever just like read passages and wonder if things would have been different? Like I wonder in that passage where Adam and Eve are hiding from their father. I just wonder if when God showed up, if they would have just said, sorry, if things would have been different. I mean, those of you that have kids and they've gotten in trouble. I know for me as a dad, um, my punishment would always be a little bit different if there's repentance, if there's a sorry. Now, there was punishment. Okay, I'm not trying to rewrite the Bible and say, well, if they would have just said sorry, everything would have been grand. But I just wonder if, if repentance, if sorrow, if sadness, would have changed things a little bit. But instead, it was blame shifting. <laughs> it was not taking personal responsibility. Does this sound familiar? Yep. Blame shifting today? There's a lot of blame shifting. Personal responsibility? Nobody wants to take personal responsibility. We had a student one time. Dana knows the story, but um, we found out she was in a car accident. She rear-ended her best friend leaving the school parking lot. So she's telling us the story, and she said, well, you know, I pulled out of the parking lot, and it was pouring down rain, and we're going really fast, and it wasn't my fault, because she put her brakes on in front of me. And I put my brakes on, and I slid right into her. And so we're trying to have this reasonable conversation. I hope she's not watching right now. If you are watching this morning, good morning. still your fault. It's still your fault. Uh, We're trying to have this reasonable conversation about, you know, if you would have just pulled out a little bit slower, not tailgated her, so when you saw her put on her brakes, you would have been able to have time, put on your brakes, she couldn't quite get it. No, it wasn't my fault. I put my brakes on, I just slid right into her. Personal responsibility. I wonder if things would have changed a little bit if we would have taken personal responsibility. Not blamed... God, did you realize that Adam blamed God? The woman you gave me. So he blamed two people and not himself. And Eve just says, I hate snakes. It was the snake's fault. It was the serpent's fault. You know, what would have changed if there was a little repentance, if there was remorse, if there was a little sadness over what had been broken? was this God's plan all along. Sometimes how we look at God, I mean, some of us in this room can say, man, when I think of Christmas, when I think of what God has done for us, when I think about my Father in heaven, I just have amazing thoughts, great thoughts, that he's good, that he's faithful, that he has mercy. But some of us in this room kind of walk around in this kind of cloud thinking, every time I think of God, I kind of think I'm in trouble. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands for either one of those, but some of us kind of walk around, we kind of feel like we're always in trouble. When we think of God, we think of the fact that, man, I'm just in trouble all the time. And so my encouragement to you this morning is, you don't have to live in that cloud. You can walk out of that cloud into a new place of delight and just say, God, I want to see a new you. I want my, the way my mind thinks and the way my heart reacts, I want that to change because I want to see you in a new way. Amen? Isn't that what we want, to walk in delight instead of walking in darkness and in clouds? I mean, I don't know about your back. My backyard had water in it, and it never has water in it. It rained so much. And I was thinking, is it ever going to stop this week? I mean, one of my friends was driving down by IKEA, and they have a huge SUV, and it was like two feet of water, and it started to float. Oh, wow. Sometimes we can feel like we're in that place and that it's just downpouring, and we can't get out of it. Oh, my prayer for you is that you would, your heart would be changed, and that you would see God differently, that He does love you, that He does have a plan. Was this God's plan all along? Does God have plan A and then plan B? I don't know about you, but it's like when I mess up, well, they're on to plan B. For me personally, I mean, but God must have plan Z, 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 Z. Z. We've gone through the alphabet multiple times. It's like when you go to a concert and you think you have great seats and it says you're in row KK. Like, hey, that's pretty close. And this is the last row up underneath the balcony and a pole right in front of you. Been there? The Paramount Theater in Seattle? Row KK is the last row. Okay, It's row 34, and if you do your math, it really should be row 37. It's weird because there's no row I in the Paramount Theater. Do you guys realize that? There's also no row Q, which is weird. And there's no row II. The reason why there's no row I is because people were getting confused in row one. They were thinking, I'm in the front row. Actually, you're in row nine. And no row zero, humans aren't very smart. You guys are extremely wise in this room. Humans outside. (laughs) O's look like zeros, right? And Q, I have no idea why they don't have row Q. I mean, it's not that hard. Q is pretty, it stands out. Here's my deal about being in a row or even being in the room. Last few concerts I've gone to, I just want to be in the room. I don't care what row I'm in. I went to a Snarky Puppies. Have you ever heard of Snarky Puppy? A few. Who's, okay, raise your hand. Noah it proud. Snarky Puppy, you have heard of them. Okay, a few of you. They are an uh, instrumental band, and I mean, I'll just be real. I mean, all their songs kind of sound the same. Does that, oh, man, I'm getting old. All their songs kind of sound the same, but they just jam. And there's like 12 musicians. They're all studio musicians. And they get together once a year and they do an album. They play for all kinds of different bands in studio. They do an album and then they, um, they do a small tour. And I was blessed because my buddy took me. And we were in the last row. I don't even know what theater that was. Oh, it was the Paramount. Okay. We weren't even row KK. We were like row, almost like the row when the stairs are so steep, you feel like you're like, like mountain climbing. Almost, almost, yeah, almost scary seats. And we were in the very, very last row. And the place was so packed, standing room. There's people standing behind us. And this band is just jamming away. And I was just like, I'm just glad I'm in the room. Didn't matter if I'm in the front row. Didn't matter if there's a pole in the way. So I take that into life today. And let's be thankful that we're just in the room we don't have to be in the front row we don't have to be in row I which doesn't even exist but just be in the room with Jesus there might be a pole in your way there's an obstruction and you didn't see it when you bought the ticket but the fact that you're in the room is huge even that the fact that you're in the room this morning is huge and so just enjoy Jesus' presence he's so good He loves us and he cares for us and that's what Christmas really is all about. I guess I do have a prop. It's attached. attached. (laughs) (sighs) Those are really hot lights. (laughs) And it would have been really awesome for me to be sharing and those things catch on fire and just watch your faces. You're like, man, you're on fire today. No, seriously, you're on fire. Okay. All right, thank you for... Now I don't have any props, Adrian. <sighs> a little bit about our God. I do have a few slides this morning. You guys thought I was being lazy. Our God is really like none other. We're talking about the reverence for the manger, and we've talked about... God's plan, we've talked about patient persistence with us. So good. And today we're going to talk a little bit about trusting God's plan, trusting in the manger. See, the manger is part of God's plan. And unlike any any other, God says, well, I will go to them. But a little bit about our God, That I'm going to give you some big theological words this morning, okay, and I'll try to pronounce them. Okay, the first one is this. He's omnipresent. Our God, the God in the manger, picture this, right? So, the God in the manger, Jesus, is omnipresent. That means He is everywhere all the time. He's not in everything like some would believe, okay? Not that type. Just means He is everywhere. All the time. Right now, there's churches all over the world meeting, and His presence is there with them because God is omnipresent. The second one is this I can't even read that from here. That's crazy. Omnipotent. Yeah. Yeah. Omnipotent. Why in the world? Okay. Omnipotent. That He's all powerful. That our God. Is all powerful. He can do anything, whatever he wants. omnipotence. And the last one is this: He's omniscient. It means he's all knowing. And these things we can l- read these things this morning, and we can say, "Wow, those are awesome." That he's all present. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. That can bring real comfort, but it can also bring the opposite. It can bring some fear. Right? But he's, all those are based in his goodness and his love. The Bible says that God is what? He is love. In John, 1 John, that God is love. In him, there is no darkness at all. And at the same time, he's all of these things. Nothing gets by him, nothing is too big for him, and he knows that he, God does have a plan. Whew. It's good news, God has a plan, amen? Yeah. So in the moment where sin showed up and brokenness entered the world and now work, death, toil, pain that they'd never experienced before is now there, now no longer living in delight, now they're outside of delight and life is really hard. From that moment, God had a plan. And that plan was to send Jesus. He, he said, I'm going to have to go myself because no one will be able to fix this. No one will be able to fix this. I'm going to have to go do this myself. And so he did. 65 generations later, what we study now, we have a dad, we have a mom, and we have their little boy Lying in a makeshift bassinet in a place that's not their own, not even a city that's not their own. And that's what Christmas is all about. Jesus coming to us and saying, I have a plan. I have a plan. So I have a little bit of the who, where, how, and why this morning. God's plan carried out through the manger. And I was going to pick up the manger again, but I'm not going to do that now. (laughs) Hey. No, I won't. No need. Who has their Bibles this morning? Awesome. Hey, I encourage you always to bring your Bibles to church. I'm kind of going old school. I heard it's cool now to go old school. I've heard it's righteous to go old school. Some of you guys are so funny, you start texting me and you start sending me, you know, I send you a note and say, hey, can you help me do this, blah, 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 and I said, yeah, and I said, okay, thank you, and then they'll send back X. If you guys were here a few weeks ago, I did this whole thing on different words for cool, and I gave you like 35 words, and now some of you guys are throwing those back in my face. <laughs> I love it, I love it, I love it. But I'm kind of going a little old school because I think it's really important that we outside these walls know what it means to pick up this book. And I'll just confess to you, um, I carry my phone around, except for on Sunday mornings, all the time. And I, when I'm thinking of Bible verses, I'm always used to my phone, and I very rarely pick up this book and read it. I'm always reading my Bible on my phone or my, all my other stuff, my computer, but I very rarely pick up this book. And, and part of that is good. I mean, I could just Google, hey, what is that verse that has this in it? And boom, it pops up, and like, wow, that's awesome. In a way, it's great, but in a way, it's a real negative because what happens when our power goes out and we don't know his book and we don't know what he has to say to us because we can't figure out, Google's not answering us. (laughs) And so sometimes it's challenging to open our Bibles and say, oh, no, he's going Old Testament on me. I'm not really sure where Isaiah is, but I want to encourage you, if you do have your Bible to turn to the book of Isaiah. And we're in chapter 7, verse 14. And I'm just going to intentionally dial through and and look them up. Isaiah, is kind of in the middle of your Bible. Find Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and go write a couple books. Song of Solomon is in there. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It's just good to know his word. This is Isaiah speaking. He's a prophet of God and he's, he's sharing hope um, with the people that had been um, relocated in a not so good situation. Um, they're refugees in a place. Um, they've been taken over. Um, and so this is a promise of hope to that group of people that were like begging God, God, will you give us answer? Will you show us that that you're still there. Will you give us a sign? Anybody ever ask God for a sign in, in this room? Yes. God, will you just show me? Will you show me? And so then Isaiah is sharing, and, he's, and he speaks this verse. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will receive or conceive and give birth to a son and will call him, such a great word, Emmanuel. And you guys, many of you know what Emmanuel means. It means God with us. Talk about a sign. Talk about a promise given. I will send you a Savior. In fact, that's what he'll be called. He's Emmanuel. He's God himself with us. I will send him to you. And in fact, that verse is used um, when the angel shows up and talks to Joseph. When Joseph is like, and this girl that I'm, I'm engaged to now is pregnant. And he was a good guy. And so he's like, I'm not going to do anything publicly. I'm just going to let her be. And I'm going to let me, myself be. And we're going to part ways. But I'm not going to do what the law. the law said. He could actually take her out publicly and have her executed. That was a penalty back then. And, and he says, no, I'm not going to do that. And so he was going to just dismiss that relationship quietly and in the middle of the night, an angel shows up and gives him this word. And that's the verse. The angel actually speaks this verse hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years after that verse was written. Joseph knew that verse because he was a godly man and he went to church. And he knew that verse and the angel speaks this verse and he's like, wait a minute, that verse that we, we read a lot on, on Saturday mornings, they had church on Saturdays. I want to be part of that. That's the who. The where, the town that this Messiah was going to be born. Again, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Emmanuel even showed up, before Jesus even showed up, the birthplace of where he was going to be born was prophesied about, and this is going to be a hard one because it's in Micah. Some of you just shivered a little bit, like, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to turn my Bible to Micah. Okay, but we're going to do it. So it's in Micah, chapter 5. Go to your right. Go past Daniel. Oh, it's before Matthew. After Hosea. It's right after Jonah. Want to figure out where to read in your Bibles? Read the book of Jonah. Go swimming for a while. Read the book of Jonah. Micah, chapter 5. Micah, again, was a prophet. Again, about this, actually about the same time as Isaiah-ish. And God, see, God loves his people, so he, he, gives, he wants his people to know. He wants his people to know that, hey, I'm still here. I'm here with you. I have promises for you. This is before Pentecost. So this is before the Holy Spirit. That's what's so amazing about Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 because God sends us the Holy Spirit, and now we all... At the same time, no matter where we're at, we can hear from God because we have His Spirit. Back here is a little different. God would send His Spirit on men and women, and they would prophesy. So it was a little bit different. So Micah is prophesying, again, bringing hope to a people that are broken and just need to hear hope, need to hear goodness. And he prophesies to a city. And he says in verse 2, But you, Bethlehem, Ephratha, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who is ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old and from ancient times. And you can just kind of read through that and like, I wonder who he's talking about. Well, is he talking about the King David, because King David is from this area? No, because he's from ancient times. We sing a song, well, we don't sing it now, but we used to sing it, the song called Ancient of Days. Dun, 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 dun. That's why we don't sing it anymore. Um, <laughs> no, actually, I actually really like that song. I do. And uh, we'll bust it back out. Okay. We'll teach our young ones how to, how to do it. It's actually a, kind of a cool song. And it talks about ancient of days. And you're like, what are we talking about? Well, that's, that's Jesus. That's what this verse, it comes out of this verse. That the promise of the Emmanuel, God with us, was prophesied again hundreds and hundreds of years that he would come from this little no-name town. Well, now it's a name town because now it's one of the most popular cities in the world. People travel there just to see the birthplace of Jesus, Bethlehem. That's where it happened. Now the how. Turn to Luke. Easy one. Turn to Luke. Luke chapter 2. Actually, our kids already read this this morning. I should have paid attention to my uh, service order because I would have probably picked uh, a different passage, but I'm going to read it again. You ever read the Bible and you like you read this verse a thousand times and all of a sudden, like, I've never seen that before? Yeah. Happens to me all the time. Most of the time because I don't pay attention. <laughs> but most of the time, it is, this is why, is because God w- will give us what we need to hear and what we need to see for that exact moment. For that exact moment, God will give us. And his word, the Bible says about itself, is alive. <laughs> it's alive. So awesome. So, we're in Luke chapter 2, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. A census should be taken for the entire Roman world. This is the first census that took place while Quinarius, the governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth. Let me just stop there. We're talking about God's plans, right? And as you read this story, you're like, man, sometimes God's plans aren't easy. In fact, most of the time, they're a little difficult. Why is God's plans for us always a little difficult? This is what I believe. I believe the reason why God's plans are always a little difficult for us, always inconvenient for us, (laughs) is because in our inconvenience, in our difficulties, we have to ask for help. And we can't do it on our own. We recognize that and say, God, I need your help. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judah, to Bethlehem, a town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and they gave birth to a firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, and because there was no guest room available for them. You're talking inconvenience. God's plans sometimes are extremely inconvenient. But I want to encourage you that He meets us in our inconvenience, He meets us there, He guides us there. We sang that song this morning, your sovereign hand guides me. You guys know the word sovereign, another big churchy word. It just means that God is in charge of everything. He's in charge of everything. Sometimes she's like, God, why won't you do something here? Well, he's just in charge of everything, and he sees the way bigger picture than what we see way bigger picture. So God's sovereign hand is in the midst of all this that is going on. Incredible. So why? So why did Jesus have to come? Why do we have to celebrate? Why do we celebrate Christmas? Why did Jesus really have to come? Leave this place in heaven and come here. Well, there's so many verses about this. And it took us back to what we started with. We just lived in a broken place so I just want to read a couple of verses for you real quick. I'm not even going to turn to them, but Romans 3:23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. That is Christmas right there. Yeah. Now, a lot of times we only quote, like when I was growing up in the Little Baptist Church, we knew this verse, Romans 3:23. we said it all the time. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We forgot about verse 24 because that's really where the good news shows up because if all of sin falls short of the glory of God, we can just sit in our corner and suck our thumbs and cry. I guess I just got coal in my stocking because all of sin, that means me. But the other part of that verse, and all are justified freely. were made right with him by grace in Jesus. And Jesus paid the price for our brokenness. Jesus came and was broken for us, so we wouldn't have to be broken any longer. And broken for eternity. And the next verse is this. It's coming. Romans 6 23. Well, if all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, well, if sin is in the world, then the sin just brings death. So the wages of that sin is death. But here's the Christmas verse. The gift, the gift of God of eternal life through Jesus Christ. He's given us life through Jesus. Christmas is a sign of life for us. Every time we see the manger, every time we hear that Christmas song, it should remind us of life. We've been given life. It should remind us a little bit of, man, I'm supposed to be walking in this delight again. And then the last verse is this. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This is, this is Christmas. This is why Jesus came, to save us and to rescue us and to bring us back. Amen? Amen. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me as we close this morning. Mary and Joseph said yes to God's plan and again, it wasn't easy to say yes to God. God's plan was difficult for them, but God said, I will be with you in your difficulty. You know, and God says that to us, that God will be with us in our difficulty. God will be with us. Every time we think of Christmas, it should bring, again, it should bring delight, and like, God, you came here to save me. I encourage you to make Christmas personal. I think sometimes we can talk about these things Theological things about God and stuff like that, and we talk about it it's for everybody else, but for me. Can I just say this morning that Christmas is for you? That He came to save you from you? He's your gift. He's your gift. Mary's response in Luke chapter 1 verse 38. She said this, after hearing God's plan, (laughs) this was her response. No way, I'm not doing that. (laughs) No, this was her response. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. She basically took a line out of the Lord's prayer and says, so God, your will be done and not mine. And so Jesus, we pray that prayer this morning. Now, maybe you're asking us to do things this Christmas season that seem difficult. And honestly, we don't want to do them. But you remind us that you're with us in the midst of the difficulty. You ask us to do things because you want us to trust you. You want us to walk with you. You want to remind us that it's not about us. And many times, our inconvenience is to help others. Joseph and Mary's inconvenience was to help us, to show us your power, to show us your glory, to show us your humility. God, I pray this Christmas, three days away, Jesus, that we would see you, that we'd focus on you. Every time we see lights, every time we see trees, every time we see candy canes, we'd be reminded of the delight that you call us into, that you invite us into, that warm, comfortable living room place with the fire going and soft music in the background and the smell of hot chocolate or apple cider or whatever. Jesus, you invite us into that place of delight. So with your eyes closed this morning, can I just encourage you, if you want to walk in a new delight with Jesus this morning, just as a believer in him, you follow him, you know him, and you just want just to walk in a new delight, can I just encourage you to lift your hands to him and and just say, God, I just want to walk in that. I just want to walk in your delight, Jesus, this morning. It's been a hard season right now for some of you, and I know it. I know your stories. Some of you watching, I know your stories. But I pray that his delight would be... in you and over you this morning, starting right now in Jesus' name. And with our eyes closed, just one more thing. And there's some of you that you feel like you're on the outside looking in. You see all this delight, you see all this warmness, and you want in. You want, even if it's row KK or ZZZZZ, you just want in. I want to invite you this Christmas season that Jesus is your gift, and He offers you a gift of eternal life in Him. And so, if you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to do that this morning, I just encourage you to talk to somebody. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand this morning because this is such an amazing decision for you. But I will encourage you if you make this decision, you need to tell some people. Tell people that you love and trust, that you know that love and trust you. It's the best decision you'll ever make. It really is. Jesus comes to give us life, and it's a life that is abundant. It's a life that is full of delight. So thank you, Jesus, for that. I pray in these next three days it would be amazing that we'd experience your presence like none other. I pray that we would be able to love those that you bring in front of us, God, that we would not get wrapped up and um, caught up in the hustle and bustle, the frustration, the anger, the bitterness, all that stuff. God, that we would just be able to be people of delight. And that your word says that if we lift you up, that all men and women will be drawn to you. And so, Lord, we, we lift you up in our hearts and walk in that delight in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. Merry Christmas to you. Hopefully we see you Christmas Eve at 6 o'clock and we'll have candles and everything. Other than that, Merry Christmas.